Welcome back, welcome back, everyone. This is Tar Heel State of Mind, Episode 8. It's been a tough week to be a Tar Heel fan. We are back. I've got Bradley with me, and we have a special guest, James. This is someone who is very close in my life. We grew up together. He is going to be a groomsman in my wedding. So let's welcome James to the podcast. James, how are you? Doing well, man. Excited to be on here tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so we're going to hop right into it, James. Tell us about a little bit about how you became a Carolina fan, how you got interested in basketball or any other sports that you follow or maybe someone who influenced you to be a Carolina fan growing up. Well, I feel like for me, as maybe a lot of other fans, I came out the womb a Carolina fan. Uh, My dad, huge, huge Carolina fan growing up, and I've got memories all the way back to I was, you know, five, staying up late to watch the – Carolina Duke game, if you can remember when it was, you know, on Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock, <laughs> when that was a big deal, being so young. Um, I hadn't really been into much other of the Carolina sports until recently with Drake May this year coming into football. I really uh, actually watched a few of the games this year and liked what I saw, so something to build upon. But, yeah, excited to be on here, man. Excited to be a Tar Heel fan, even with the tough week. Awesome, awesome. We appreciate you coming on for sure. Um Last but not least, we want to give a shout-out to Nathan. He welcomed his second child into this world this week, Bryson Mitchell. So he is away on daddy duty. Um, Everything went smoothly. He's back at home recovering, so we wish him the best, and he will be back with us as soon as he can. So with that being said – He's recovering from that that tough pregnancy he had. Yeah, I know. It's tough out there. Shout-out to Megan Baber, Mama Bear. She's holding it down too, so we hope everything's going well at the Baber household. All right, let's jump straight into it. We've got Pittsburgh and Duke on the schedule for tonight. Um, tough tough week being a Tar Heel fan, guys. Um, Pittsburgh, UNC went down to the wire 65-64. There were a couple times in this game where I thought we had it in the bag, but we let them claw back right into it. Um, James or Bradley, y'all want to hop in, tell me what you thought about this game and where we think we need to improve or what we did well. Uh, yeah, given like such... We have such veteran players, right? We've got Baycott, who's a senior, Nance, who's a fifth-year senior, Leakey, fifth-year senior. Both guards are juniors. So given that lineup and how much experience those guys have in college basketball, they've started tons of games. Uh, They just have lots of experience, right, especially going to the Final Four last year. We've got to get better at closing these games because we get up by six, anywhere from six points to ten points in either half, sometimes both halves, and just allow these – guys to get back into the game we have breakdowns on defense um just something we got to get better at um just given how much that just blows my mind how much college basketball these guys have played and and we're still finding ourselves struggling to beat inferior teams um because we have the most talent probably in the country and i don't know just super frustrating man i agree 100 percent um i think a lot of it is and we've seen it as a trend all season is poor shot selection, right? At any given point in the game when we seem like we're letting the other team back in it, inevitably RJ, Caleb, Baycott, someone decides that they want to try to start playing hero ball and they don't really think about the shots that they're taking, which in return causes some issues as far as not getting buckets to fall and things like that. So definitely frustrating to watch. Um, I think one thing I want to touch on, um, 
is basically is the same thing James said. We kind of get into this hero ball mentality where maybe RJ or Caleb hits one or two shots and then they completely take over for the next two to three minutes. And same way with Baycott. Um, I'm still a huge. I'm still a huge. Uh, I totally, totally think that Baycott should touch the ball every every single time down the floor, regardless of whether he shoots or not, just because he has to. The offense runs through him. Um, he did he did really well against Pittsburgh. Um, let's see, he was three for ten. He had fifteen points, eleven rebounds. They were really, um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. It was Federico Federico who was really kind of giving him a hard time down low. Like, I mean, he was kind of he was really altering a lot of his shots and giving. All right, so Federico Federico, yeah. So um, Baycock got the best of him. I think Bradley had said like ten days ago or ten. 10 games ago and this time he really really had a hard time gave Baycott a hard time you know with adjusting the shot shot blocking and stuff like that um I think Baycott ended up being like three for 10 in the game he still had 15 points um he shot nine he shot 15 free throws though, so he had a lot of points from the free throw line um he still got another double double but I think this this time around I don't know I guess Pitt Pitt just kind of has our number man like they beat us at home the last two years they beat us they're five and one on the road in the ACC now, and like we had just spoken about last week, how everyone had a terrible road road record of, except for Pitt at this point. So you know it's been it's been tough. Like Pitt's just kind of had our number, and I don't know if it's more or less like the schemes that we run are are kind of just like seen right through or whatever it is. But it's really frustrating to kind of never have a comfortable win, or even you know at this point two losses this week. We're we're always battling and fighting for these games instead of just kind of like winning when we should I think win by at least about 10 points so you know I don't know what whatever you guys want to jump in and talk about but it's tough to like you know really really kind of get a quality win like we're always kind of nickel and nomin or fighting and tooth and nail for every point we get here's my opinion right so and you guys have touched on this in some of the other episodes but Brady Manic, we lose him right last year Points-wise, rebounds-wise, stats-wise, him and him and Nance overall, if you look at the year that Nance has had so far, their stats are pretty similar on paper. But Nance has not necessarily been an incredible outside threat, right? So last year's team, we were able to play inside-out. We were able to run everything through Baycott that got us open opportunities everywhere else. The problem is this year, since we don't have that third outside threat, really, it, it causes the defense to collapse on Baycott, doesn't give you any room to work inside. And then, let's be honest, RJ and Caleb have both been very streaky at best this year shooting the three ball, right? So because we don't have that tremendous outside threat, we can't put games away against a team like Pitt when we should have easily won that game by, you know, eight to ten points. So just, just my opinion, but Because we were up, what, like seven to nine points or ten points, like, couple different times in that game and they called their way back each time yeah like you know I, I think it was at least a nine-point lead that we had at one point it, it could have gotten up to 11 at one point am, am I wrong about that or no it got up to 11 because that's when uh Cummings hit three threes in about 30 seconds and yeah pretty much brought the game back and that was where we kind of it kind of went downhill for us so you know that's another thing I want to bring up you know Jamarius Burton scored 31 points in their first meeting all twos, 15 to 17 from the field, and then Cummings comes in and shoots five for six from three and has three threes in 30 seconds and brings them right back. So, you know, it's one of those things. UNC comes to town or they come to UNC and we get their best shot and we come out 
we come out with the L instead of the win, so it's a tough one. Yeah, I think Pitt's really scrappy. Um, they're one of those teams that have, also has some veteran guys, and they just try to get in your head and push you around. And I think that I think that got in under you know RJ and Caleb's skin. Um, you know they. I, th- I think there was one play, I don't remember if it was RJ or Caleb, um, I think it was RJ got into it with one of their other guards, and that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to get in their heads, they wanted to you know, get them off of their game, and that's when they started making that run, coming, hit those three threes in a row. I think he had a backdoor cut for a layup too, so he had like 11 points by himself on a little run. But No, yeah, they every gotta, time – sorry, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, we're not playing – like we want to win games, we're letting other teams push us around. We're just not scrappy um, like these other teams are, and we're we're you know we're getting we're getting pushed around. We're we're we've got some weak players on our team. They just need to step up. Um, they they can step up. They can play. Um, they can ball. They can put up points. We just got to do it on a consistent basis, and not be pushed around by these inferior teams all the time. Another thing I want to bring up, too, is not one of our substitutes played double-digit minutes. DeMarco Dunn had nine, Nichols six, Trimble five, Washington had three minutes, and Dontrez had one minute. Um, this is something I'm going to literally harp on every single podcast. Like, we have to get our bench involved. Like, we could play ten people if we wanted to. But, like, I don't understand at this point in time in the season, 22, 23 games in, why – or how these guys are staying on the floor for 38 minutes a game or 35 minutes a game and they're putting up the efficiency that they're putting up. Like, you know, if we're if we're going to miss these shots and struggle, like, you know, worst case, the, a sub gives a, gives a starter a break and they miss some shots and we struggle. Best case, they come in and we find out that Tyler Nickel, if you let him shoot five or six times, is going to hit four or five threes. And then we have a whole nother ball game on our hands. We have a whole nother – you know, spark off the bench that we can throw in and get a couple buckets. You know, you can't get anyone any any kind of groove if you're playing f- five minutes a game. Because if you're playing nine minutes at the most, like Demarco, you're getting a four minute run in at the you know from twelve minutes to eight minutes, and then a five minute run in from like eleven to six in the second half, and that's it. And then you're done. Like you can't get any kind of rhythm doing that. So you just got to get this bench involved at this point. Like, I mean, we have nothing to lose. We just got to start stacking wins. And you know, running these teams out of the gym, and we, we we aren't doing it with the current rotation we have. So that goes back to shot selection, right? You look at Pitt. We took sixty six shots to their fifty five, so we had eleven more opportunities to score. But how much you want to bet those eleven more opportunities were terrible shots and terrible possessions that someone just you know Caleb RJ whoever it was just tried to take on the other team themselves. You know, I. We'll talk about it in a few minutes when we talk about Duke too. But that that's been my frustration all year is that our shot selection is just terrible. Even though we are taking more shots, have more possessions than other teams, and that's honestly the biggest difference for me so far from last year is last year we hit those shots right. We shot a better percentage, not just from two but from three as well. But if you're going to take twenty seven threes a game, you need to hit at least ten of them, right? I mean. Statistics-wise, if you're taking 27 and missing, you know, three-quarters of them or more, you're not going to win ball games like that. So, Yeah, I think they were 5 for 27 from three this game. That's 18%. That's freaking terrible, man. You can't win games. That's basically what you said, James, 22 wasted possessions where there's 
how many of those were step back threes from Caleb or RJ when they're RJ when they're three or four feet behind the line. Like I'm Keep sure in if mind, you pulled Caleb a shot. had three of those threes in the first half. He was three for six, and then ended the game four for eleven. So yeah, you know, so we had I feel those like in the Caleb. First half. And and I think he needs that, right? He needs to see the ball go in the hoop, but I don't think he needs to take eleven three pointers a game when he's not a a great three point shooter. Yeah, he can knock them down, but he's not shooting forty five percent from three. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, we're going to live and die by our guards and we die a lot. (laughs) So Caleb was eight for 18. RJ was three for 15. And when they're playing 37 minutes a piece, we need those guys to knock down shots or we need some guys coming off the bench to help them knock down some shots. But Hubert, we've talked about it. Nick, you talked about it a second ago. These rotations, I don't, I don't get them. He said, you know, you don't know all this whole you don't know when your number is going to get called, but it's going to get called. That's a bunch of bull to me. They need they need minutes, and they need consistent minutes because we need these guys to be able to play 10 or 15 minutes a game and contribute, and they can't do that if they're not you know, given the opportunity consistently. And it kicked us in the butt last year. It's kicking us in the butt this year. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on was towards the end of the game for the Pittsburgh game is we just kind of fell apart with like rotating the ball around. Um, Baycott got caught a couple times on the low block with no one to pass the ball to and ended up and not calling a timeout and turning the ball over. And I think that was when we were we up right then or were we down a possession when we had to turn the ball? I think we had a one. I think we had a one point lead. Yeah, point lead. Yeah. I think it was right when like we were kind of losing that momentum. And this uh, this was how much time was left because this was like where we could have ran the clock out a little bit and kind of killed a possession, and we turned the ball over instead of calling a timeout. And our like our ball movement for that like and that was a prime example. They're getting du- you're double teamed on Baycott. He's double teamed before he even gets the ball because everyone you know they know that if Leaky or someone's on the court, he's not a threat to shoot or he's not going to shoot. So they're not even worried about like they're not even acknowledging his existence on the offensive end and. It's getting even more. It was even more and more blatant at the Duke game rather than it was the Pitt game. Like they would just leave him completely. Like uh, Baycott's on the far block and Leakey's on the opposite wing, and he's just standing. There's no one within 15 feet of him, and they're not even. They don't care because they know if he gets the ball, he'll shoot it. I'm sorry, he'll get a. They'll shoot the ball. He'll shoot the ball. Get it. They'll get a rebound and have a have a fast break on the other end because they know it's coming off. So you know that's just something that we've got to figure out. Dude, what else is frustrating too? RJ, when when Carolina had an opportunity to take the lead by two there at the end of the game, he had two free throws. He misses the first one. I mean, he's our most clutch free throw shooter that we have. You know, I think he leads the ACC in free throw percentage, and he misses the first one to put us up by two. So you know, we might be looking at a different outcome had he hit that because then either Pitt's going to try to take a stupid three to win the game, or they're going to force overtime. And at that point, we looked like we were starting to at least, you know, in the second half, seemed like we were starting to get a little kind of momentum, even if we were letting them come back. So, you know, maybe a different outcome, but I think that'd be something to watch over the next, you know, four or five games is how RJ does considering his his recent shooting struggles. So, Yeah, I think it might be tied to his finger being taped up. I know he jammed it at the beginning of the season. I think he re-jammed it during the Syracuse game. Um, but still, I think he made a little bit some strides. I mean, I think he made some strides in the Duke game because he hit some of those jumpers that he usually hits. But I just pulled up the um, 
not the box score, but the play-by-play. So, yeah, we had the ball in the pit game with with 44 seconds left. We caught a timeout, and then out of the timeout is when Baycott got the ball on the baseline at 27 seconds left, turned the ball over, and then gave Pitt the opportunity to get fouled by RJ and Burton hit those two free throws. But here's my thing is we've I talked about those veteran guys that we have. Why is it not processing through these guys' heads, especially Baycott with the ball in that situation, that – I need to call a timeout because I'm not going to be able to get this ball out. Or somebody else, one of the other guards, seeing him that he's in trouble and them calling timeout. Like, these guys have been in college long enough to where they should have the court awareness uh, and the basketball IQ to make that heads-up decision in basketball play to make sure that we don't turn the ball over. That's the whole point of having players that stay for three or four years is because you technically have the advantage because they've played so many games. But this team... I don't. I don't feel like you have that with this team for whatever reason. I don't. I don't know what's going through their heads. But, um, anyways, uh, Burton makes the two free throws, and we got like three point six seconds or something, and we try the you know get the ball half court and call a timeout. I think we should have probably just went ahead and tried to score off the inbounds, but because you can't really do much with point six seconds left on the clock. Um, last thing about Pitt, and then we'll move on to uh the rivalry. Um. RJ was guarding Burton the last play of the game, right? And um, I think this just really goes to show that, and, you know, we'll touch on it again here in the Duke game. He gets really, really picked on for his defensive his defensive abilities. Um, he is always, I think, a mismatch just for the sheer size. I mean, Burton, literally, they cleared everyone out, and he went straight to his spot at the, at the free throw line and got fouled. I mean – and it's just – it's really, really tough to put RJ in those situations because he brings a lot to the table offensively, but he's always going to be a um, – he is always going to be a um, liability on the defensive end just because he's going to be smaller than the guy he's guarding. You know, if he got someone who's 6'2", 6'3", he's got five – they've probably got five inches on him, you know, because RJ's 5'10". I mean, at you know, six foot on a stat sheet, maybe with his shoes on, but like you know, he's he's five ten. He's every bit of five ten. So he, that's tough to watch because you know it's hard to it's hard because his defense isn't isn't probably you know on the level of Leaky or even someone just the same size as the player that he's guarding. And it was tough to you know I think Burton's like a ninety one percent free throw shooter. So I mean, he knocked both of his down and out. Then you know you know what happened from there. So I think teams are starting to catch on that RJ is kind of a liability and they're kind of putting him in these pick and roll situations where like he's either getting blown by or they're getting an easy dump off to the big when they try and help. So it's going to be something, it's going to be interesting to see how coach Davis goes, goes forward with trying to figure out how to, how to counteract that. Well, not just that before, before we move on to Duke, I just want to see Brad, yours and Nick's opinion on this. I feel like throughout the course of every game that we've played this year, we have like four or five possessions where we look like all-stars on defense. And not just one player, but the entire team. And then the rest of the game, we don't look like we know what we're doing. You know, like we're just letting people blow by us. We're blowing coverages. You know, we're not boxing out. And, and that is like just typical Carolina basketball from years past is like they're expected to box out. They're expected to, you know, block the lanes of people cutting. But for whatever reason – at least from my point of view, it seems like they're struggling this year. And, uh, you know, I just want to see what you guys think about that as well. I've got two theories. My first one is when you're playing 38 to 40 minutes a game, you're probably tired and you're taking plays off. 
That's my first theory, is that, is that they're tired, they're getting worn down, and we're not subbing enough to make up for that so they can get some rest. Second theory is, I mean, these guys have been to a national championship, they've been to a Final Four. Maybe they're just, I mean, and the reason why they came back, right, was to run it back and go back to a Final Four, but they're not playing like it. I don't think they're in the right headspace to be locked in 100% on every play. And I don't know if it's laziness. I don't know if it's, um, I don't know what it is. But I think that's part of it is just them not, you know, working together as a team, communicating on defense and staying locked in on every possession. I think I think this year, what was the stat that they talked about? We've held up like our last eight or nine opponents to under 70 points. So I don't really think it's maybe the – I think it's – we're not capitalizing on our defensive stands with good offense. I think I think that's what one thing we're doing is we're just – Maybe that's how I meant to phrase it, just we're not turning our defense into yeah, offense. Like, like we're, we're not – like we're not – like these stops like, – because we have four or five possessions where like people won't score, five or six possessions. So, you know, we're going to steal, turnover, a block, you know, new defensive rebounds. And we'll get down the floor, but then we kind of, you know, we'll give the ball away those three next, next three possessions. So it's like, you know, we're forcing three turnovers, but then we give away three turnovers. Or we give up two bad shots. Or we shoot the fadeaway three. Or, you know, or leakier Pete shoots their laser beams at the front of the rim and dents it. Like, you know, you don't know really what what's what's going – like how it's going to go. And I think that's where we need to kind of capitalize on those defensive stands because our defense is a lot better. Like, you know, we got DeMarco. We've got Trimble if they get in the game. We've got um, Leakey. Even Caleb and Baycott aren't bad on defense. Pete and RJ are kind of, you know, I think not as strong as they should be. Pete's seven foot tall. He should – there shouldn't – he shouldn't have any problems with hardly anyone, but it just seems like he's getting bullied back and forth around by anyone that's – whoever's on him. Um like, I think it's just we just need to get those defensive stands to turn into offensive stands as well, and that's where I think it's lacking. I don't think the defense is what's lacking. I think it's the offensive part for sure. Where last year it was the offense that was fine, and the, it like you know it was basically a shootout who could score more. This year it's we can't really put the ball in the net as easy as we did last year. Yeah. Before we roll on to Duke, um, what do you guys think about the Jason Capel stuff? I don't know, man. I, you know, I'm 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 a Tar Heel through and through. I have respect for everyone that's played in the uniform, regardless of how well or how bad they did. Who cares where his, you know, where you know when I think that he got upset by the by the tweet of like you know the game day picture and then it was a jab at him or something. But I think it stemmed from like some other stuff where like I think Jeff was at Oklahoma and he was wearing Oklahoma gear and some UNC fans said some not so nice things to him. Like from that aspect, like you should never hate on a guy for just rep you know, representing his brother's school. I mean, you know, that's his brother at the end of the day. They're both Jordan brands. So like the only thing that's different is one of them's the university of Oklahoma, one of them's the university of, you know, North Carolina. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't get down with ragging on any UNC player, regardless of, you know, anything like that. Like Jeff and Jason are brothers. Like you, you're going to support your brother. Like, I mean, if my brother coached for a team that I didn't like, I'd still wear a shirt if I went to watch him play. And he's, I think, and then Jason's on the staff with Pittsburgh, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, like, how are you going to, I mean, not every former UNC player can coach for UNC. I mean, so like they got to go somewhere if they want to, they want to 
get a job and why not work with someone who's family i mean i i don't get it i think it maybe it got read into a little bit too much um i just know obviously what i've seen on the message boards and on twitter and stuff like that so it's probably not very credible but i don't i don't think anyone was being malicious in that extent but you know i mean you're not i'm not in the position to tell anyone about how they feel and i hope everything's fixed now and that you know, everything's good because, you know, once a Tar Heel, always a Tar Heel. We don't ever want to excommunicate anyone just for who he works for now or who his family is or anything like that. So hopefully it all got worked out. Unless your name's Rashad McCants. True, we can forget that guy. We'll be good without him. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think the, the reason why he got mad was kind of was over the top, but I, I don't think anybody on the – who who makes those little memes or who makes those um those game day you know photos i don't think they were taking a jab at, at jason cable i think i saw something else that said the person who makes those was like 3 years old when jason cable wore a carolina jersey so doubtful that they even know who he who he is or that he played for carolina or what he did when he was at carolina but um yeah anyway so we can roll on to duke would y'all would y'all not like about the Duke game? I think the biggest thing for the Duke game was, you know, me, James, and I watched it together. Um, I never felt like we were really in the position to lose until we lost. Like I felt like we were we played pretty well. We just, again, had streaks where, and this is the game that I really want to focus on, RJ's inability on defense and Leakey's inability on offense. Or even, you know, the efficiency of Pete Nance. Like, Pete shot one for ten. Leakey was building a brick house in the corner until the second half. And then, you know, RJ on on, RJ on defense kind of got exposed a few times. And I, I just, it's tough to play three-on-five basketball or four-on-five basketball when there's they know who can and who can't shoot and they don't even they're not even like you know out there trying to bother leaky they let leaky shoot all day and in the second half you know i'm proud of him he's my favorite player on the team he he kept us in it for a little bit he was three for four or five in the second half he missed the one that we really needed him to hit but i mean you know we can't expect him to hit all of them especially at the percentage he's shooting but um it was a tough one but it definitely was a game that we should have won I don't know what the, really the deal was. I, um, it bummed me out for sure, you know, especially after the hype we had last year. This is not how we wanted to do it, but I don't know. It was a tough one for me. Yeah, I mean, especially when we came out the gate, we looked really good to start the game. And then, you know, I mean, if you've watched Duke Carolina games growing up all your life, you know there's runs, right? It's who makes the first run, who makes the next run. You know, and then usually it's back and forth in the second half. But, like, you know, Carolina made their run first, then Duke made their run, and I was like, okay, you know, Duke made the run going into half. We'll take over in the second half. And then we kind of never really took over, per se. We kind of just let Duke hang around. We kind of just hung around with them, traded baskets. Um, it just goes back to the inability to close out games, right? Like, that was the most disappointing part to me is the game was tied, I feel like, for – a four-minute stretch there towards the end of the second half, and we had so many opportunities to just get an easy bucket, and we couldn't even do that. You know, we couldn't even go up by two or four points. We just let it stay tied. And then Duke had an easy opportunity, like Nick said at the end, letting, you know, Jeremy Roach expose RJ on an easy, 
you know, high pick. RJ didn't recover, and, and, you know, Roach walked it in because Baycott didn't want to leave Lively and give him a wide-open layup. So, it all of it was frustrating. Definitely a hard day to be a Carolina fan, but that, that was it for me, just our inability to put the game away. Yeah, I agree. And when we've – We've done it almost every every loss this year. Um, but that was the case. We just failed to put put the game away. Probably every game except for the Indiana game where they handled us the whole game. Um, but on, for me, it was probably the most chill I've ever been watching a Carolina Duke game just because we beat them in the two games that mattered most last year. So I, I don't get as stressed or anxious playing them so far this year. But it's... I wanted to win because, one, I want to win every game. And, two, is we needed to win, right? We needed a quality win, and we needed to, um, you know, move ourselves up in the, in the ACC standings. But, yeah, like you said, just just unable to close out games, unable to hit open shots, and that, and that goes for everybody. Nance was missing wide open shots. Caleb, I don't think Caleb got really got open looks. He pretty much – forces everything he takes anyways uh leaky and leaky missing that corner three man and i'll say this about leaky kudos for him finally knocking down some threes when we needed them in a game where we needed shots to go down but no matter he could hit 10 or 15 threes in a row i never think the next one's going in because he is so inconsistent so inconsistent so I, I wish I could say more. I wish I could say better things about Leaky's shot. But over five years, you either can't shoot or you can't shoot. And you just can't shoot. So that's not who I want taking the shot. Now, there was a time where he got the ball outside the three-point line. And he gave a little head fake. He drove right by his man and, and yammed it home. So I feel like if he does, he just needs to do that more consistently. He can shoot the three twenty percent of the time and drive eighty percent of the time. I think that'll work out for us better and work it work out for him better because he's super athletic. He's long, and when you're six nine and you know his like body style and that athleticism, it's hard to find somebody on the other team that can guard you. So if he drives more frequently, I feel like it would bode well for us. To touch on that, Brad, real quick, I actually told Nick this last night. You know if. At this point in the season, we're 20-something games in, and Hubert's not going to change the lineup. Let's just say we're stuck with this starting five, you know, ride or die, whatever. I think that's the difference in this lineup is if Leakey can do exactly what you just said four or five times a game, just blow by his defender, take it hard up to the rack, either dunk it or get fouled on his way up, all of a sudden I think it's going to start making people respect him a little bit more and maybe open up the four more so we can get the ball to Baycott. Because, as you know, that's our best offensive weapon. Get the ball inside to Baycott, and then we can either him have an easy layup or play inside out and get an open look outside. And then we don't have to force as many shots. So I think as hard as it is to root for Leakey sometimes, as much as he's let us down in five years, you know, he could also, I think, potentially be – part of the cure at least in the short term to to help us open up the four more so I agree I think our biggest thing is making sure you know Leaky's going to impact the game on the defensive end but it is a bonus if Leaky can impact the game on the offensive end like you know he's not out there and we are not expecting him to light it up for you know he had 18 I think this year and 14 those are his two highest 
Um, he had 14 against Duke. So, like, you know, we're not expecting him to do that. But if he can, it just makes the game so much more easier for everyone else. Because who are the three people that are going to get the ball and shoot 15 times a game? Caleb, RJ, Baycott. If Pete can score 10 or 15 or 20 points, which he can, he showed it twice. He had 28 and 21 against Syracuse. And who was the first one? Uh, was that Portland or whoever it was out in – he had 28 points against them. Like, you know, he has – they bake. Baycott's going to do what he needs to do. Leakey can score if he needs to. Um, we just need him to do it more consistently. Caleb and RJ can go off at any given moment. Um, so any other starting five can score 20, 25 points. But, like, I think Leakey is the key. If he can just hit one three, hit a, get a couple drives, and maybe get another one, then they have to guard him. They can't let they can't sag off on him. and let. They have to, they have to hope Baycott is handled by his man. Because they were getting what? He was getting two and a half players put on him before the ball even got to him against Duke. So, you know, things like that have to have to happen. Um, two things I want to touch on now for the Duke game. We were out-rebounded. No, sorry, points in the paint. We were outscored 32-24, to 24, which for someone who averages a double-double and can score about 20 points a game, Baycott, um, this adds to that. He didn't shoot the ball the last 12 minutes of the game. So I don't know how that happens. So we have 14 or 18 and 10 in what, basically 28 minutes, and then didn't get the ball. He had 14 and 10. Leaky had 13 and 10. So you know I just don't see how we win this. You know we win this game without. But how does Baycott not shoot the last 12 minutes of the game? I don't understand how that how that is even possible. Um, and then also our fast break points, 20-2. to two. We, we got outscored 20-2 to two on the fast break. Now tell me the last time you heard of a UNC-Duke game where Duke was the one missing all the threes and UNC was running them to death. Why have these roles reversed? Is it our style of play? Is it just the lack of, the lack of like ball movement? Like what is it that is now flipping this script for Duke and UNC? Because we used to be the running team, and now we're the team that's getting missing threes and missing long rebounds. Well, I think it's partly because of the lineup that Duke played. So usually they go with what's his name, Ryan Young, as the transfer from for Northwestern. He plays a lot of the minutes. Lively generally comes off the bench and plays less than Ryan Young. But when Lively was on the bench, Baycott was cooking. He had like eight eight points worth of layups and like just a few minute stretch with Lively on the bench. Then Lively came back in and shut that down. I think. Baycott struggles with bigger, taller defenders guarding him um, because Baycott, he struggles going over the top and he struggles backing down his defender when when he's going to get somebody like Lively who's 7-1 and a great shot blocker. I mean, just look at Lively's stats. He only had like, what, four points, I think, on a couple layups or dunks. But he... Almost had a double-double with rebounds and blocks. He had 14 rebounds and 8 blocks. When was the last time you've seen that many blocks against a Carolina team? So I think that was part of the reason why he didn't get a lot of um, field goal attempts in the second half. But he should have gotten at least touches, right? So it didn't even look like he touched the ball much in the second half. So our guards have to do a better job of getting the ball to him. Um, he doesn't doesn't necessarily have to score or have to shoot, but he at least needs to touch the ball. Well, one of the theories touched on that, Brad, I was reading uh, on the message boards. And, you know, my dad, as I said earlier, is a huge Carolina fan, and we talked for an hour about the game. 
um, is a lot of people in the message boards were saying Baycott wasn't demanding the ball. Uh, because if you notice, there was a time early in the second half when he touched the ball. He went up for a layup. I, I thought he got fouled. I mean, obviously, as a fan, I always think they're going to get fouled, you know. Uh, but he got fouled, and there was no call. He missed the layup, and he just turned and looked in, like, frustration, right? As And I feel like that speaks to how the game went because we shot three free throws the whole game. Duke had less than 12 fouls the entire game. But first half and second half. I mean, it was like they weren't calling anything. So could that be part of it that Baycott wasn't demanding the ball? Or could it also be the fact that if he did get the ball, he was, like Nick said, triple teamed, and then Pete Nance couldn't knock down a shot, Leakey couldn't knock down a shot. So we were kind of just at a stalemate on offense for the most part, it seemed like, there in the second half. Yeah, I think it looked like it was 14 fouls to 11, but we only shot three free throws. I think they had 11 free throws. But it's just one of those games, man. We just getting – you know, the whistles weren't going our way. I'm not going to blame it on the refs or the foul calls. I mean, you know, we could have easily won the game without without shooting free throws, and we didn't. We didn't We didn't play play well down the stretch. We missed some easy shots. We missed some missed some layups. We missed some some gimme baskets. Um, not everyone shot the best, but, you know, we – we regroup and we go on to the next one. So, you know, it's it's tough. And, you know, we're not going to get those – I don't think we're going to get those favorable whistles, one, away, and two, after the 39 free throws we shot against NC State, we're definitely getting a tighter – a tighter um, – a looser whistle called for us, too. So, I mean, you know, we, we can't we – can't, we can't harp on that. We can't hope that that's the reason why we're losing or winning. We just got to play through it. And, you know, we can't throw up our hands. We just got to keep playing. So we got to right. make. We, if they don't want to blow the whistle, we got to make them blow the whistle. That's it. That's what we right. got to do. And, and the only reason why I brought it up is because we hit the same amount of field goals as they did, although we did have three more threes. And so, really, the only difference in the game is the free throws, right? But you can't, like you said, you can't leave it up to the free throw line to decide a game, right? You've got to to hit the shots. I mean, we had nine more shots than Duke, so we had nine more opportunities than they did. And we couldn't put it away, right? So that tells me right there, it, you know, the free throws don't really matter, but it was just frustrating to watch that it seemed like we weren't getting a whole lot of foul calls. So 19, uh, yeah. 16 more threes as well. Just want to throw that one out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We average 18 points per game from free, the free throw line. So when we're not getting there, like we, like I said, we only shot three. And we used, and we were two for three, so we averaged eighteen points in the free throw line. We got two points, so that's basically like a starter not playing because we didn't have sixteen points that we usually have from the free throw line. So, and I think that was you can't blame it. You can't blame the refs for this one. I think they did a decent job. There were definitely a couple calls they missed, probably both ways, but. That just it speaks to us needing to be more aggressive, taking the ball to the rim, not settling for jump shots. Like you said, Nick, 20, however freaking many, 27 three-point shots. So we were 5 for 27 last game, 7 for 27 this game. We've shot 54 threes in the last two games. And we're not a good three-point shooting team, so I don't know why we're deciding that we are, but we're not a great shooting team. So um, we can knock them down when, when they're open sometimes. But still, we got our formula for success is getting the ball down low, kicking it back out. That's what we need to do. And that's what we didn't do um, last night against Duke. I do think that 
our rotations have to change. Jalen Washington got in. He knocked down a 10-foot jump shot, and he played good defense, and then he didn't see the court again. Nickel didn't see the court at all. I mean, Seth Trimble is a liability on offense, but he's a great defender. So he can at least spare R.J. Davis six or seven minutes to get him some rest. So he's, you know, so R.J. is always at full speed. But I don't know, man. We've, I did like that Puff played a lot. Nance finally got yanked um, for struggling so much, and he was turning the ball over. He was hitting. Missing open shots, he he was just struggling, having a bad game last night. So I, I did appreciate Puff playing, and I feel like we played well while Puff was in the game. But I don't know, man. We got to figure this rotation schedule out. Because... He should be starting. I'm just being honest. Like at this yeah. point in the season, Nance is not getting it done. I think Puff should be in that spot, which it does leave you vulnerability somewhat on defense because Puff is not as big as Nance is, right, to guard that four, but. It gives you a fourth offensive player on the four that might open things up a little bit. I agree. Say, Leaky can guard bigger than himself, so Leaky could guard the four, and then you give Baycott the five and give Puff the three. So yeah, I don't think that's a step down at all. Like let's let's say let's say we start Puff right. What do we lose on the offensive end? Nothing. We're not losing that much on the offensive end. Not if not if Pete's shooting one for ten. We might be gaining a little bit. Puff at least hit a three there the night. Like, you know, he's not – he's not – we're not going to lose anything in the offensive end. We might lose something, a little bit of height, but like Bradley just said, we just switched Leaky. Leaky can guard one through five. Like, Leaky's 6'10", playing the three, or 6'9", yeah. playing Puff, the three. Puff brings energy, right? Yeah. So, whenever he's on the court, he's always active. He's always everywhere. He seems to be in the right place at the right time. He does foul a lot, but whatever. I mean, I'd rather have an aggressive fouls. Puff. Well, shoot. I yeah, mean, I'd rather have an aggressive puff on the floor than a Pete Nance who's just going to stand there and waste well, space. Well, if he's only playing 15 minutes, I'll let him foul out for 15 minutes. That's fine. At least he's playing <laughs> hard. Real. I mean, you know, like if he's playing hard, but like just think, you, you can interchange, I think, Puff, Jalen Washington, and Pete. You can interchange all three of them. You don't lose. You're not really losing much on the defense. I guarantee you if each of them played the same amount of time and took the same amount of shots and you put them all on there and did ABC and didn't put their names, they'd probably have the same stat line. Absolutely. Like, but here's I mean, the thing. In a, in a game like last night where they, they're leaving corners open for Pete Nance and Leaky Black to to shoot whatever they want and, and kind of packing down the paint to let not let, not let Baycott work, I even think you maybe, maybe take Leaky out because at that point there's nobody on Duke's team that's going off, right? So we don't really need a lockdown defender in that, that moment. And get Tyler Nickel out there. At least he's going to keep those – you know, guards honest on the three-point line, so Baycott gives Baycott some room to work down low. I'd like to see, you know, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Tyler Nickel, Puff Johnson, and Baycott out there starting, you know, or maybe not even starting, just getting some run together. I feel like that, that lineup could keep the defense honest on the on the three-point line and then stretch the floor to give Baycott room to work down low. That way you have four guys in there that can knock down a jump shot. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think we're getting any worse. Look too. Yeah, I don't think we're getting any worse. I mean, why not? What worst case, we let him stay out there for five minutes. We see it doesn't work, and we go right back to what we were doing, and then we go from there. I mean, Hubert's got to try something, right? I mean, that's just me. Like, we should have beat Duke. We should have beat Pitt. Both of those games. I mean, you could say that about the rest of the games we lost this season. We should have won, 
right? I mean, we took to Alabama to four overtimes, and they're number four in the nation right now. Iowa State just knocked off Kansas, who they were number 12. They're going to move up, right? We lost to both of those teams by five points or less. I mean, And we were we were up in the second half by like seven or eight points in both of those yeah, games. Yeah, and we're not a bad team. It's just we can't close the games out. And I think it's what Brad, it's what you said, our iron five, quote-unquote, they are playing too many minutes and they're exhausted at the end of the game. So get some of these young bucks in there. Let them run around. Let them get some points. You know, like you said, Tyler Nickel is a great three-point shooter. Throw him in there and mix up the lineup. Give Duke something else to look at. And maybe he knocks down that corner three that Leakey misses or the one at the top of the key that Peyton misses and we win the game, you know? Yeah, it's I so mean, frustrating. It's, yeah, no, I mean, it's a win-win. I mean, worst case, we're in the same spot. We don't go back to the national championship, but at least our younger guys have got some burn in and they know what it's like to play on the college floor and play minutes and play meaningful minutes like that's the worst case scenario you know like i mean the best carolina teams i've said at every podcast could interchange three or four people and sub three or four people at a time and not miss a beat what happened to like the marvin williams or the or the or the you know the ed davis who comes off the bench and just you don't, you know, or even were, Tony Bradley in the last national yeah, championship. I mean, it's, you know, we, we always have these five or six or seven guard, like these five, six or seven people who can come in and play, and you don't miss a beat. And we we have that this year. We're just not utilizing them, and we got to. We have to utilize them if we want to be successful. I think. Yeah, I think last podcast we we said, well, what do we need to do to improve our seed? Because we were on the eight line. I think right now we're firmly on the bubble, so uh, not what we wanted this week. Needed needed two wins, got two losses. De- both games were definitely winnable. So we can look at, look ahead to this week. We've got Wake Forest at Wake Forest, and we got Clemson at home. Got to win both of these games. So we got eight games left on the slate. We've got. Um, all of them are, are tough games. Uh, we ran through them last time, but none of these games are easy. Maybe the game at Florida State was probably the easiest one, but we generally struggle there too. So we've got chances on our schedule to, to get some good quality wins, like to get another couple quad one and quad two wins, but we've got to go on a little run here because I don't want to be on the bubble come you know beginning of March. I mean, we're playing the top half of the ACC. We're playing everyone above us, I think. Clemson, Clemson's at the top. We just lost to Pittsburgh. Virginia's at the top. Miami's above us. Like, you know, we've got to – we've got to – we'll climb the ladder if we can beat a couple of these and they drop one, one to someone else. But, you know, Wake beat – Wake beat Duke this year. You know, we got – But the state. crazy thing is, if, if we win both of these games this week, we're, like, tied for first in the ACC. Instead, we're in seventh. Because Virginia lost, Miami, no, Clemson lost, and Virginia lost. And if we would have won both of our games with it, with everything else happening yep. in the conference, and if we we'd be four like in first, a row. first or second. Yep, if we went four in yep. a row and beat Miami, we're probably at first place. So, I mean, you know, we got a good stretch here. We it's can, just frustrating. We can pull it together. I still have faith in the boys, but, you know, it'll be it'll be tough. I mean, if we – we just need to take it one game at a time. We need to go 2-0 and this week, regroup, and then – start again for next week. That's all we got to do. That's all I'm looking for right now is just having a good week of Carolina basketball. 
Yeah, hope we can get some quality wins this week. Got to play, got to play well. Got to hit shots. Applebee's a problem at Wake. Um, that'll be a big game for them. So we just need to show up, play well. Hopefully, our bench can get some run. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I'm not. I'm not super high on Carolina basketball right now, but um, I never miss a game, so I'm gonna watch all. We got to keep the faith. <laughs> we got to keep the faith, regardless of the outcome. We've been through some tough years, but this ain't gonna be one of them. All right. That's right. That's right. All right. James, anything to add? No, just stay. Try to stay as positive as possible, you know? I mean, anything could happen with, what, how many games do we have left? Eight? I think seven, eight. Seven, eight? Let's yeah, see. I mean, if we win One, six two, of three. the eight and don't lose to Florida State or Notre Dame, I mean, we have a really good shot of maybe even improving our stat line for the NCAA tournament, yeah. right? Because you think we got, what, three chances to play ranked games, Clemson, mm-hmm. Miami, Virginia. We win all three of those games. I mean, hey, that's a good opportunity weekend, to improve our quad after this one. weekend, Duke's probably going to be 24th or 25th. So, Yeah, so but, there's um, another one, four, to end the season out of our eight. So, But, you know, we'll we'll make it yeah. out. Is it gotta, a tough one? Got to figure out how to – I was going to say, got to figure out how to close out these games. Yeah, for sure. But, all right, everyone, we appreciate you – joining in this week james thank you for joining us on our pod um nathan will be back with us soon hopefully we'll have james on again as well as a guest but i appreciate the time and effort from everyone this evening all right this is tar hill state of mind episode eight we appreciate you we will see you next week for episode nine go hills